I'm not going to do an introduction. I'm not going to do any fancy music. I'm actually going to start this podcast by asking, are you happy? I think in conversation, we often say to people, hi, are you okay? Yeah, you. Yeah, what are you doing? Nothing, you. Or, oh, I've just been at work. What are you doing? When we ask someone, are you okay? Do we... Some of us might mean it. But when it's in passing conversation, is it actually meant? Or is it just a way of either passing the conversation, seeing what happens next, just seeing what they've been up to? Or do we actually want to know if they're okay? You know, I feel like it's said so quickly. And if someone was to turn around and say, well, actually, no, I'm not okay, the person that asked would be stumped, you know, they would be like, oh, are they ready for a response? I think when you ask the question, are you okay, be ready for the response that that person you ask might not be okay. And if you're asked if you are okay, be confident in saying if you're not okay, that you are not okay, because it's absolutely okay not to be okay. Um, same as we all tell people, reach out, reach out, reach out. And many of us do reach out. Many of us with mental health, many of us with physical, dis- uh, physical health. We all reach out. Sometimes people aren't there to, to embrace us. But if you're telling someone to reach out, be prepared to embrace them when they do reach out. Don't just say, oh, if only they'd have reached out when it's too late. But my question is, are you happy? If someone said to me, am I happy? I wouldn't actually know the answer. I don't know if I would say no, because I have blessings in my life that I count. You know, I have the ability to walk, talk, listen. I have the ability to see. I have the ability to love in the respect of I love my animals. You know, my two dogs. I love learning. I love music. Um, I have the ability of appreciation. I have the ability to appreciate knowledge. Knowledge is power. Um, I'm very lucky enough to have an education. I I count the blessings I have. I have I have an amazing, uh, amazing people in my life. Very few, very few people in my life. Um, I don't have friends. I have people that I may talk to in the respect that are my age, but they're not my friends. They come and go. Um, I don't know how to make friends. I don't know how to keep friends. I have a problem with attachment, which we'll go into later on in this podcast, but I count my blessings. And however, on the other hand, I I suffer with severe mental health issues. You know, I I long and strive for a cure. I long and strive for sanity, stability. I long and strive for, and I dare I say happiness, but what is happiness? So I have crippling unstable emotions i'm drowning in low self-worth i'm riddled with 
with images and thoughts from my past and memories. Um, but you know, it's like I'm. It's a balance between the two. What 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 am I supposed to do about these things? You know, in the respect of do I live with the shadow of my past or do I embrace the light that I am blessed with and carry that towards a brighter future? And I think a lot of us battle this. We, we have such dark pasts and unfortunately it consumes us and, and dims our light. We're all born with a light and all of us, we're all born with a light. We all have potential and sometimes our light is dimmed either, well, through the hands of other people, through events. And some of us sometimes can't find that light and that light eventually goes out. And it, our past, our present, it consumes us. So much so that that light goes out that we have an inability to construct the future. And some of us don't even have a future because we get so consumed in our present that we no longer have a present, if you see what I'm saying. Um, this is a trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, so I just want to let that be known. Um, but I feel that happiness is something that so many of us strive for, but can we all, can any of us define it? A lot of people would say, you know, I want a car, I want money, I want a house, I want a golden retriever, I want... F a family, I want, you know, I want to be a famous footballer. That'll make me happy, but will it? And I, I, I would love endless amounts of money. You know, I'd rather cry in a Bentley than cry on a bench. But at the same time, you could have a million pounds and still be lonely. You could be in a room full of millions of people and still feel lonely. That's not happiness. You could have a million pounds and go on expensive shopping sprees, buying Cartier bracelets, Hublot watches, Rolex watches, and still be miserable because you have no one to go on shopping sprees with. That's not happiness. Materialism is not happiness, you know? It's a, it's a temporary fix for a long-term problem because I once heard that, um, you know, suicide, trigger warning, um, is a is a um, permanent solution to a temporary problem. And that stuck with me because I always thought that my problems, my situations, my feelings were permanent. But they're, in the long run, are they permanent? You know, my mental health is permanent, but my instability doesn't have to be permanent. Mindset is everything. Mindset, surroundings, it's everything, you know. Your body will achieve what your mind wants you to achieve, you know. You want to lose weight, your mind will allow that to happen. You, you want to do well in your degree. If your mindset is in a poor place, you are not going to do well in your degree. I was in my undergraduate degree, um, the first week of my undergraduate degree, my nan died. I was very, very close with my nan. I was living with her. She had lung cancer. And I got the call on the morning. I was due to start university. And she passed away. I went to the hospital. She'd passed away. At 21, I was arranging my nan's funeral. Um, I carried her coffin. Trigger warning. Um, 
I'm not going to keep saying that, so there will be a trigger warning throughout this podcast. Um, on the, the day of the funeral, I carried her coffin down. I arranged what coffin she had. I arranged what she wore. I arranged the songs. You know, I... My nan gained her wings on the 21st of September, 2016. And my life changed. My life changed when I was young. I was made an adult when I was a child, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think my life changed in many, many ways on the 21st September, 2016. Because I kind of lost myself. I lost my mind. And I was due to start university and I still went in. Um, not that day, of course. Um, and we arranged the funeral the day after the cremation. I was sectioned. I had I had a severe severe breakdown. I went into psychosis. I was hallucinating. Um, and it was it was very very severe. I don't remember much of it, but I I do know that I was very very unwell. I tried to take my life. Um, I've tried to do that on several occasions in my little life, but. Somehow I'm still here, by God's grace. Um, and throughout my three years of my psychology undergraduate degree, I was in and out of a psychiatric ward, but my mindset was very strong. Because before my nan um, passed away, before my nan gained her wings, she said to me, she knew I was going to university, it was, it was a dream of hers for me to go to university. She wanted me, she wanted me to have a good life. And before she gained her wings, she said to me, go to university. And that stuck with me. Um, and that was like a mantra throughout my three, three years of university. And every time I wanted to, to fall, every time I did fall, I got back up because the mantra was drilling away, drilling away, drilling away. Finish university, finish university, finish university. Go to university, go to university, go to university. And I knew I had to finish that. And even the times when I didn't want to, I knew I had to finish that degree. Um, because she fought a long battle with lung cancer. She was going to radiotherapy. I, I was working, taking her to radiotherapy and, you know and studying before my degree and it was it was very very hard and I'm not going to complain about what I was enduring because she was enduring far more than what I was enduring and she was a fighter she was the definition of a fighter but she never moaned once and I I adopted that mindset for my three years of my degree and I trialled many, many antipsychotics, mood stabilisers, ADHD medications, and a lot of them had severe side effects. Um, as a lot of you know, I am body dysmorphic, so I suffer with poor body image in the respect of I see myself completely different to what others see me as. Body dysmorphia is where you don't see yourself as the way others see you. You see yourself as completely different. Um, I'll go into that in another podcast. I'll go into my story in another podcast, but um, the side effects of some of the psychiatric drugs were horrendous. And throughout the three years, I was in and out of a psychiatric hospital throughout the whole three years of my degree, in and out, in and out. And there was one day I got released from the psychiatric hospital and it was 
it was awful for legal reasons. I'm not allowed to say the name of the psychiatric hospital, but one thing I will say is it was like a, a, a building of, of, it should have been illegal. It, it was awful. It was absolutely horrendous in there. I have no idea how I got out. It was, I have no idea how it's even still standing. Um, how that they call that therapeutic, I don't know. I wish I could say the name because it's shambolic. They should be, they should there should be justice, but I I won't say the name. But eventually I will. Um, so one day I got out, and I had an exam then that day when I was released, and I still went to the exam. And I managed to pass it. I didn't get a good grade. I think I got a two point two which isn't bad considering I'd just come out of a psychiatric hospital. And I carried on and I carried on. And eventually I finished my degree with an award-winning dissertation and a 2.1, a higher 2.1, four marks off of a first. But that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough for me, you know. Imposter syndrome is a thing where you never appreciate or you don't feel good enough. Any of your compliments, they're not accomplishments, they're never good enough for you. You could have achieved more. You could have done better. And I was, I was pleased, you know, I was pleased I finished it. And I was, but I always thought to myself, would, would Nan be proud? And even then, was I happy? I couldn't answer that. I'd finished three long years. Um, I'd come out of a psychiatric hospital. Um, I'd graduated, I'd stepped on that stage. I'd picked up my, my uh, qualification. I got an award for my dissertation. It was an award-winning dissertation. I should have been really pleased because I don't... That stuff never happens to me, you know. I, I, I'm, I never feel that I would ever achieve such things. But for me, did, did I deserve that? I don't know. I can't answer that. Did it make me happy? I don't know. I can't answer that because I don't know if I deserved it. And that's the thing. Do we base our happiness on what we feel we deserve? Um, I think a lot of my behaviours today are because of my low self-worth, my low self-esteem, my self-loathing. My, so, my self-loathing. And that stems from my childhood. And I my dissertation was about how... Well, how professionals um, fail to ask enough about childhood trauma. Um... And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not tarnishing all professionals, but many professionals, um, they do not ask enough, they do not inquire enough about whether childhood trauma has occurred because statistically speaking, childhood trauma and psychopathology correlate. And when people mock psychiatrists, they do often say, when they're acting as a psychiatrist, so tell me about your childhood. I can categorically tell you now that does not happen in a psychiatrist's room. Um, but nevertheless, my, my, a lot of my studies are based around trauma. I'm very, very passionate about trauma. When I do my PhD, it will be about trauma. My master's, um, dissertation is about trauma. Um, because it's something that I have endured and I feel to, for someone else to dim your light, for someone else to lay their hands on you, for someone else to mould you into something you don't want to be is such an injustice, is such a sin. And how someone can have the temerity to feel that that is okay, I cannot fathom. 
I am angry. I, I have not come to the stage where I accept it yet. Um, I'm fractured but fighting. I won't say I'm broken, but I am fractured. Um, I have scars, I have cracks, I have the unimaginable, um, unimaginable things, but I want to encourage and empower other people because there is a way forward no matter what trauma you have endured. If you've made it to today and you've endured a childhood trauma, you are a warrior. And the reason I call us warriors, people with mental health issues, people that have endured trauma, is because I do not like the term victim and I don't like the term suffering. I like the term warrior because or fighter because you get back up. And I say this to a lot. I, I qualified as a life coach in my in the first lockdown. I'm I'm a personal trainer and I'm a life coach. I don't practice anymore, but I'm qualified. Um I, I qualified in criminology, sociology, life coaching, personal training, and I have an undergraduate degree, and still that's not enough for me. I strive for more. But I say to a lot of people, you know. You, you're a warrior because you get knocked down, but you get back up. You know, you're not a sufferer. You don't succumb. You don't, you're, you don't succumb to your, your suffering. You don't, you don't fall and, and lay on that canvas. You fight. You get back up. I can get hit. I can get knocked out. But no matter what, I'll still stand. I'll still get back up. Um, what's that saying? Fall down seven, stand up eight. And I'll stand up 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And that's what makes us warriors. No matter how much you get knocked down, you must always stand tall. Head up, shoulders back, chest proud. Keep on keeping on. Because that's the only thing that can keep us going. And nobody should ever dim your light. And I'm a strong believer of that. And I've met amazing people in my time. You know, I've moved into a new apartment. Um, and I love it, absolutely adore it. I've met um, incredible people. And every every person you meet teaches you something new, whether they come or go in your life. I like to meet wise people because I learn more from wise people. I think everyone in their own way is wise. I find people that have endured trauma tend to gravitate towards each other. And learn a lot from each other. Um, and I, I have, I have a problem with people leaving my life. But many people have left my life. Um, and I, I have an issue with that. I have severe abandonment issues. However, I also have attachment issues in the respect of I, I, I don't make friends. I don't have friends. And does that contribute to me wanting to be happy or not wanting to be happy? I don't know. Do I want friends? You know, because do I have a fear of letting them down or them letting me down? Do I not feel good enough for them? Do I even know what a friendship is? Because I've, I've not had a friend. Um, I feel sometimes I just get used. Uh, I feel that there's a hidden agenda that stems from my childhood. Everything stems from my childhood. And that's something that trauma warriors need to figure out.
what their triggers are, what their behaviours are, in order to change them. I was moulded into something new. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. A lot of warriors that have enjoyed childhood trauma, or even trauma in general, feel that they've been moulded into something different, something horrible, something ugly. But turn that around and, and you don't have to be something different, something horrible, something ugly. I, I feel ashamed. I feel, you know, dirty, ugly from what happened to me in my past, which I will go into. But I have the ability to empower others. I have the ability to help others. I always believe that the only time you should look down on another person is when you're lifting them up. And I'm a strong believer on that about that because take for instance this morning I was in Westfields and there was an elderly lady she had the best smile one of the best smiles I've ever seen she was struggling to walk up the stairs and I watched before I helped her how many people walked past her and I thought to myself are you really in that much of a rush you cannot help this elderly lady walk up the stairs one little thing of helping her walk up what eight steps you're in that much of a rush to go to Primark or River Island, that you cannot help this little little elderly lady walk up some steps. So I wasn't in a rush. I didn't have anywhere particularly I needed to go. So I helped her walk up the steps. And it turns out she was going for her first vaccine. She had no idea where she needed to go, so I helped her find the vaccine centre. And then they took over from there. She was vulnerable and it, 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 it really made me emotional because not only did she remind me of my nan, her smile, her, you know, her, her demeanour reminded me of my nan. She was very appreciative and it was almost like she, she didn't feel someone was going to help her. And that was like a normal occurrence for her and that's not the way society should be. We should almost... It, it, it saddens me that elderly people have come to the realisation that they're not going to get helped. So I have the ability now to help others, and I feel that I've, I've secured that through my past. You know, had I not endured what I endured, would I still have that level of compassion? I have a huge, huge amount of compassion for others. I have an ability to read others. I have a strong sense of... Um, knowledge on if others have endured things you know if they've endured if they've got stories if they've got a background not just through my psychology degree neurolinguistics anything like that but I have a sense of people um and I don't judge I, I take people on face value I've worked with offenders some of them have had horrific past they've done horrific things and of course that will still be in the back of my mind but I believe that people have had bad pasts. Some people have had bad pasts. They've taken bad routes. And sometimes we just need a little bit of guidance. But even people that you see walk down the street in their nice three-piece pinstripe suit, they're Oxfords or Brogues. And that's another question, Oxfords or Brogues? Because for me, it's Oxfords. Um, pinstripe or no pinstripe for me it depends on the person I'm, I'm very fascinated by suits I love suits when I was younger I used to want to be a tailorist um, 
But actually, I wanted to be many things when I was younger. I, I wanted to be, I've always wanted to be an actor. That's always been my thing is acting. I love performing arts. Um, but back to the uh, the topic, I I feel that a lot of us, we, we didn't have guidance and I, because sometimes we didn't know we needed guidance. Sometimes we, we deviated out of anger. And that infuriates me because we lost our way because of the hands of someone else. You know? And I that's a, that's a sin. That should be a sin. That that really sh that that's that a lot of my behaviours today, you know, my inability to connect with someone on an intimate level. You know, the, the thought of intimacy absolutely terrifies me. Um, in relationships, my my last boyfriend, he, he was a trigger for me mentally, but I, I, I do feel that maybe I could have loved him, but I don't know if I have the capacity to love someone in a romantic, in a romantic way because of my past, because I don't know if I have that capacity. Um, and that is for me, something I desperately need to work on. I personally don't want children. Um, and that's okay, I'm okay with that. Um, I don't know if I could carry a child anyway. I've, there's a lot of trauma done to my body. I have polycystic ovaries. Now I'm not saying if you have polycystic ovaries, you cannot have children, you can. But um, I have done, there's a lot of trauma done to my body and I personally don't want children anyway, so. Um, I'm going to be the fun auntie, maybe, I don't know. But I don't want children, not only because I don't want children because I'm selfish, I want to travel, I want to, you know, I'm too selfish for a child. I'm not maternal and I wouldn't want a child to endure that. I wouldn't want to, I want, I'd, I'd need to numb or I'd need to heal before I had a child and I feel my healing process would be long. I don't feel that I could ever commit and I think a lot of people don't understand that. I had a conversation with someone and she got kind of angry. She was like, well, I think it's really selfish you don't have a child, you don't want a child. Because, you know, there's many people that don't have children that would love them. And I think it's selfish that I would have a child if I don't really want one. I think that's a selfish thing to do. Because society feels that women should have children. Women that can have children should have children. Where did that ideology come from? Just because I'm, I might have the ability to have a child does not mean I should have to have one. You know, it, I, I don't know if I could even carry a child, but even if I could, you know, say hypothetically I could carry a child and I gave birth to a healthy child, that would be wrong of me because I don't want a child, you know? And I think that stems from my childhood because I, I'm... You know, as I said in, in my one of my podcasts, we learn how to parent and how not to parent through parenting. Um, I know how not to be a parent and through nurturing, I know how not to be a parent and through lack of nurturing. Um, but it's just some people have, you know, different thoughts and there's a lot of resentment I carry, there's a lot of hurt I carry, there's a lot of trauma I carry. But a lot of my behaviours today stem from what I had to endure and my inability to connect with, with people properly, my fear of abandonment, 
you know, I a lot of people think on, on my Instagram, for instance, oh, but you, you know, on my TikTok, there's a, a I, delete, I delete all my TikTok videos, but there's about 20,000 followers on my TikTok. I've deleted all the videos now, but there's 20,000. And a lot of people say, well, you've got 20,000 followers. You must have loads of friends. I could have a million followers and still feel lonely. There is not one, there is not one friend on there. Not one friend. I have a few t uh, followers on Instagram because I deleted my old Instagram because I needed a fresh start. Um, and, you know, who's there when you need them are the real people. I don't want 10 friends. I don't care if I have two real f people. As long as they're friends, they're friends. You know, and you need to find them people. Don't long for a big group of people. Long for security. Long for that secure base, as Bowlby said. There's always that secure base. Long for that. I think that a lot of us want a want that friendship. We want that that affection. We want that attention. But we look for it in the wrong places. I certainly have done in the past. I settle for less because I, I don't know my worth. A lot of us don't know our worth. And I don't just mean people that have enjoyed trauma. I mean, a lot of people don't know our worth. But that's something we need to figure out. We need to figure out our worth. Surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. I feel, I say that to a lot of people I've worked with, you know, clientele, um, a lot of my life coaching clients that I used to work with. I say to them, surround yourself with people you want to be like in a positive manner. Because environment is everything. You know, it, mindset and environment are everything. They can, environment can change your mindset greatly. If you're in a negative environment, it can consume your mindset. But also, if you have a strong mindset, it can help your environment. So they're, you know, both of them are very strong components in your life. But happiness is something that gets thrown around a lot. And have you ever asked anyone if they're happy? I asked someone, I think it was yesterday or the day before, very wise man. And he said yes. And he was he I feel he could have been he was genuine. I feel he was genuine. And I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, he's got a perfect life because who has a perfect life? I can sit here and say, you know, um many people that look like they've got perfect lives have perfect lives. We don't know their insecurities, just because they're not portraying them doesn't mean they haven't got them. Of course everyone's got insecurities, even models, vogue models, even all these models that we see on TV have their insecurities. But he seemed genuine and I was so pleased I asked because I think asking someone are you happy is so important because it helps them know that you are interested in how they feel as a whole and it opens the doors for them. It makes them feel, do you know what, they're asking me if I'm happy. I can, I can tell them if I am or I'm not. And if, you know, if they don't feel that way and they don't want to tell you, that's entirely up to them. But you've opened that door, you've held out your hand and it's up to them if they want to take it. You might not be the person, that's, you know, that's up to them to decide. I'm, I'm the sort of person, I'm, I'm, I'm picky, not because I'm judgmental or anything like that. I, 
I trust a very small amount of people. But when I trust, I trust. And when I'm loyal, I'm fiercely, fiercely loyal. And I will go above and beyond for people. But I think every once in a while, ask someone, are you happy? And I don't... It, it can be a family member. It can be, you know, someone you occasionally talk to. It can be a friend. Sit down with them and say to them, are you happy? And see their response. They may break down. They may say, yeah, I'm happy. And embrace that. Enjoy that. And if they say, no, I'm not, figure out why. Because this, no, I'm not, could be what's burdening them. This, no, I'm not, could be actually what saves their life. And this is something to really, really harness. Because many people are losing their lives because maybe all they needed to be asked was, are you happy? All they needed was that acknowledgement to be seen. There's many days where I feel invisible. And that's, that's not great feeling. That's why I like to smile at a lot of people, even when I'm having a really shit day. I like people to know that they're acknowledged, that they've been seen. I don't care if they don't smile back. That's up to them. That's... That's, you know, they don't need to smile back at me. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't smile at me either. But I've smiled at them. They now know they've been acknowledged. And that's important. Because they could be having a really rough day. And they could be contemplating all sorts. And that smile could have either cheered them up. It could have made them feel acknowledged. It could have just been like, oh, okay, what's she smiling at? Or it could have been like, you know what? That's brightened my day up. I, I feel a bit better now. You never know. A smile can do all sorts. Smile a day keeps a doctor away, as they say. But I think asking the question, are you happy, is a very important question. And we don't get taught it enough. You know, I always say we need to get taught about mental health more in schools because it's not being taught enough, you know. Signs, symptoms, how to ask someone, how to, you know, get help, how to... We're not being taught that enough. We're definitely not. Professionals are not being taught how to ask the relevant questions. 110%. Suicide is not being taken seriously. It's not. Until it's too late. Then people want to start reaching out. Like, people want to start, oh, if only they'd have reached out. We are crying out for help. I said, I'm going to say this, I said to my doctor two weeks before my overdose recently, do not prescribe me any medication. I said I was feeling suicidal and they did not listen. And then I, I took tablets. And a lot. Oh, my God. I, I'm telling you, someone above was watching over me. I had, I had prayers. People were praying for me. And I'm still here. By God's grace, thank you, God. I'm still here because I don't know how. Um, so if you have spare time, or even if you don't, make time to ask someone, are you happy? And listen to them. Listening is such a blessing. To to really listen to someone. You know, to be able to hear someone in the respect of knowing what they say. And of course, if you can't hear someone, lip read, you know. Knowing what someone says. And allowing someone to feel heard. To express how they feel. And if you can't help them, guide them to someone that can. Allow them to feel that they've been acknowledged is key. Because feeling invisible is not a great feeling. Feeling like you don't belong. Feeling like no one can see you. Feeling like you're not even in this world. Feeling dissociated. Feeling trapped. It's a horrible feeling. There's been many occasions, even recently, I have felt that no one can see me. That 
no one wants to help me, you know, that I'm a burden. I constantly feel I'm a burden, but because I've been told my whole life I'm a burden. And I think that's one of the worst feelings in the world is to feel you're a burden because you then you, you're too scared to reach out. So I always like people to know, never feel a burden because no one in this world is a burden. So wrapping this up now, if you've got this far, really appreciate it. Take time out to ask someone, are you happy? And find out for yourself what happiness is. And when you do find that out, strive, work towards it. And then ask yourself, are you happy? And once you figure that out, you've nailed it. Until then, keep rocking, keep rolling. And uh, the next podcast will be out in two weeks' time. I'll probably be sharing my story, so watch out for that. Probably going to be a long one. So get a cuppa ready. And I'm going to bounce, head up, shoulders back, chest proud, and keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening.